Someone may be sitting here today or watching today. You may say, yeah, that stuff about Jesus. Jesus is a pretty good guy. He's a pretty good man. But you must understand, he's not just a good prophet. He's not just a good man, a good teacher. He is the Son of God, and he's looking for you to call him Lord. What is it that God is drawing upon you when you recognize how much he's loved you that says to me, what can I render? And that is a question we all must answer as believers. And in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, Zacchaeus is faced with the same questions. Let's listen as Pastor Martin dives deeper into the Word. If we would be honest today, even those of us who are matured Christians, if we're honest today, we would acknowledge that there are certain people that we prefer and others not so much. Some whom we prefer, we, those whom we prefer, we graciously receive. And, and uh, while these others, we, at the very best, we offer them common courtesy. But not necessarily preferential treatment. Zacchaeus was one of those that by most standards would fall in this category of being not preferred. Or even in some cases, he may have be standing even outside of any spectrum of preference at all. Because most in his community did not like him because his practices, he had actually earned this distinction. He was a chief tax collector, and the Bible says that he was very rich. He had gained that rich, uh, that wealth by overtaxing the people. Ultimately, when the Roman Empire came in, they, they established tax collectors to collect taxes because they had a tremendous military budget, and so therefore through taxes, that's how they were able to continue their conquest. Tax collectors like Zacchaeus would then go in, so if the, if the tax was 10, they would increase it to 11 or 12 and take some off the top. So most in his society or in his community would have not preferred him or just outright disliked him. So when we see him in this scene trying to see who Jesus is and his short stature, he couldn't look over, but no one would have given room for him to look through. But he would not be deterred. He wanted to know, he wanted to see who Jesus was. So we talked about this last week because we looked at the fact that the boy with the lunch he was among that pursuing crowd, that crowd that was intentional about following along Jesus. Jesus is in the boat, but they're traveling on foot. They want to go and see where he's going. Zacchaeus noticed that he notices where Jesus is going, so he runs up ahead and he gets ahead of him. And then Jesus, as he's walking by, he looks up. Because what Jesus understood was he understood something that the crowd did not understand. And that was that 
God had set up a divine appointment that Zacchaeus would have an encounter with his son and therefore experience his love. So Jesus then, all these people are clamoring around him to get his attention. And in the midst of all the attention he's getting, he stops and notice what he does because this God is a personal God. He stops with all the crowd that's there and he called Zacchaeus' name. The reality is that every born again person who's sitting here today or who's watching online, at one point God called your name. And he called you specifically and said to you, I love you and I want to come and stay at your house if you will have me. So notice how Zacchaeus responds. He, Jesus calls his name and he, with joy and with haste, he jumps down out of the tree and welcomes him in. Because here's the thing that God has set up. He has set up an opportunity to show preferential treatment to someone, as Brother Lede said earlier, who recognizes they don't deserve his love. And because they realize they don't deserve it, they receive it with joy and gladness. Self-improvement is trending right now. If you do a quick Google search, you'll find that there's a number of titles out there. There's so many things out there that says, hey, you can improve your life. Here's one. Ten powerful steps for how you can change your life in 2022. Ten powerful steps. Here's another one. Sixteen things you can do that will change your life. Just 16 of them. Here's another one. 21 quotes that could change your life. If you could get, a, get your head around these 21 quotes, you will change your life. 21 must be a popular number. Here's another one. 21 simple ways you could change your life. Here's one. 22 micro habits that will completely change your life in a year. Finally, there's one that says, here's a list of books that will change your life if you read them. And a number of the books on the list were number one bestsellers. But here's something I found about this list that spoke about changing your life, the one book that was not included was the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The change or the idea of changing our life 
is so significant that there's number one bestsellers, there's websites that are dedicated, there's whole processes and programs that are designed to give you this opportunity to change your life, and yet the one who's the life changer is standing every day, all day, saying, whosoever will, let him or her come. So we understand that we want to change our lives. And God has the same plan in mind. He wants to change your life. And he saw Zacchaeus. That leads me to my first point for today. And that is that this personal God has set up divine appointments especially for you. Who are you today that God is saying, I've got a divine appointment set up because when we think about Zacchaeus, even he, a scoundrel, someone that most would have just discounted or overlooked or would have nothing to do with, even he had a divine appointment. Let's go back to our text. Here, look at verse 5. 5, 5a says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and the operative phrase there and saw him that this personal God sees each individual soul and wants to create an opportunity that that soul might be saved. And notice that he picks him out of a crowd. Surely there were some better upstanding people in the crowd that were surrounding him, but yet Jesus understood that today is Zacchaeus' day. Because he saw him, he, he called him by name. Notice the personal connection. <clears throat> because the boy last week has no name. We just named him the boy, little boy with lunch. Because Jesus was interested in drawing out from among them even this scoundrel that others may have said, he don't deserve salvation. The question we would ask is, would you witness to a Zacchaeus? Would you talk to someone like this guy to tell them about this Jesus who loves even him? Because when we think about this mission that we're on, God has revealed that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Second Peter chapter three, verse number nine. Here's what the word of God says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. This is actually in the context of uh, Peter sharing that Christ will come the day, on the day that's appointed, 
but that even though it's been a while and there are those who will rise up and begin to scorn and say, where is the promise of his coming? He's trying to help them understand. This is right after he speaks to them and says, listen, the Lord, just keep this in mind that one day with God is as a thousand with men. So don't get twisted around thinking that, that God is, is not uh, uh, going to keep his promise to send Jesus back. Then he goes on to say, so the Lord is not slack concerning this promise as some may count slackness, meaning that they're delaying, that, that hey, I, I want to do it, but I'm, I'm kind of slacking off. I'm not, I, I should do it, but I, I haven't gotten around to it. He says, don't, he's not doing it because he's slacking. He's not sent Jesus back because he's long-suffering toward us and not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So ultimately, God is stirring this in us that this personal God even has some Zacchaeuses that he wants to reach with his love. So he points him out, he calls him specifically by name. Because at some point, when we come to the place of realizing that we need a savior, most of us would not categorize ourselves as being someone that's detestable or, yeah, we say we're not perfect and I'm not as good as others or I've made some bad decisions, but we would not see ourselves in his shoes. But I would ask you today, put yourself in Zacchaeus' shoes. And I know that I'm saying Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus, you can, you can pronounce it either way. The pronunciation is interchangeable. So in, when you look at this, you understand that if I'm in his shoes, would I want Jesus to call my name? I made some good, I made some bad decisions, but my, my decisions hadn't been horrible decisions, it's just been bad decisions. But what if I'd made some horrible decisions and I found myself outside of God's grace and outside of his will, would I want Jesus to still call my name? And I believe all of us would say, yes, Lord. Call me Jesus. Call me Jesus. Because when we talk about divine appointments. And when we look at Zacchaeus or we look at his situation, we see that God's desire for his love to reach everyone is evident here, which takes us to point number two. The divine appointment that we're talking about today is an encounter with his son, Jesus. That God has a desire for everyone and anyone to have this encounter with him. Let's look at the B portion of that fifth verse. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay specifically at your house. I'm coming to show my love to you, to show God's love to you. And notice as we get further into this, that that Jesus showing this type of love, this this type of preferential treatment to him, it's touched his heart. 
Because God is looking for his children, for us as people of God, to be willing to be uncomfortable at times that we may shed light in a place where there is no light. Where there is no light. One of the things I must testify and bear witness to is that for me, uh, I get a little bit out of shape, Brother Terry, or a little uneasy when I have to go into unsanitary places where hygiene is low. <laughs> I have a very keen sense of smell, so I, I could smell it. I just pick it up. My wife said, what, you, what are you doing? I said, I smell something. You know, but what, I don't smell anything. I would smell it. But God has put me in situations in which my assignment was to show his love to someone who did not look kept. And I knew before I got to them that they had not been kept. But in the midst of that moment of showing his love, I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to do something, Sister Canvas, that I do not want to do. Wrap my arms around this that's making me uncomfortable. And then I find myself with all this enemy saying, hey, just get away as soon as possible. Asking them, can I hug you? I know you say, well, Pastor, I... I don't know about all of that. I mean, that's not easy, but that's just what we see here because when he calls a kiss and he says, I'm coming to your house, the crowd is like, what is he doing? Of all the people out here, this is the guy he chose us? He's going to his house? And he says, yes, I must go there. Because if I don't go, no one else will. Because God, you never know if God has set up a divine appointment for his light to come to someone whose heart is open. So there's four things I want to show you that for those whose hearts are open, this encounter can bring about certain things because you can see that Zacchaeus is ready when he sees that Jesus is coming and he's intentional, he's willing to climb up into a tree that he might see who Jesus is. We can see that from his actions, he appears to be one whose heart is open. So let's look at these four things. The first thing that an encounter with Jesus, when your heart is open, it's going to bring joy. Because Zacchaeus is pretty, his life, is, he's going about life. He's rich. He's got his wealth. He's good to go. And ultimately, he's, he obviously has health. He's able to climb a tree. Think about that. You, you think about that, did you? You, you? I know I can't. I don't even try climbing trees. <laughs> I think I could if I had to. If my baby's in danger and I had to get up, I, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. But, but I'm not going out just climbing up a tree, right? So the man has his health, he has his money. 
But this encounter with Jesus brought him what his money and his wealth could not provide. It brought him joy. Look in verse number six. It says, so he made haste and came down and he received Jesus with joy that the fact that Jesus called his name specifically and was willing to separate him from the crowd, he was joyous. So an encounter with Jesus is going to bring you some joy. Number two, an encounter with Jesus will change your mind. It's going to change how you think about things. Slide down to verse number eight. Look at verse number eight. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I'll give half of my goods to the poor. Here's a man that's been stealing from everybody that he could. Now he's changed his mind about his money and he's running over saying, I'm going to give up half of what I have. But I want to show you something. This moment becomes a tale of two rich men. If you go back to chapter 18, there is a rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, if you go back verse 18 through 23, his story is told, and he comes to Jesus and he says something. He comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And he says, well, you know, Jesus, you know these things. He says, yes, I've done all these things from my youth. And then Jesus says, but you lack one thing. He says, sell what you have and give the poor something. And the Bible says, he said, huh? You, you talking about my, my money? It says he walked away. Sad because he had a lot of wealth. But I want to point something out. Because I hope you today, as we talk about this encounter with Jesus, that you don't make the mistake that the rich young ruler made versus Zacchaeus. The rich young ruler, he acknowledged that Jesus, there was something special about him. He says to Jesus, good teacher. Then Jesus tries to help him to understand or bring him in to understand who he really was. He says, wait a minute, sir. Uh, no one's good but God. Are you calling me God? Because the difference that we see in his encounter with Jesus and Zacchaeus is that when he comes to Jesus, Zacchaeus said, Lord. One knew that something was special about him and even lifted him up above other teachers that you're a good teacher. You're a good man because someone may be sitting here today or watching today. You may say, yeah, that stuff about Jesus. Jesus is a pretty good guy. He's a pretty good man. But you must understand he's not just a good prophet. He's not just a good man, a good teacher. He is the son of God and he's looking for you to call him Lord. One said good teacher. He's admirable. He's a, he's a great teacher. The other one recognized, wait a minute. This is the Lord. And when he recognized that Jesus was Lord, it changed his mind. 
because he changed his thinking about his own money. In one case, Jesus asks him to go do it or tells him to go do it. He says no. The other case, having experienced Jesus' love, it changed his mind. He offers to do it. What is it that God is drawing upon you when you recognize how much he's loved you that says to me, what can I render? What can I give back, God, because I recognize your love for me? A third thing that we can understand about that can be an outcome from an encounter with Jesus is it will change your heart and your will. Look at verse 8b. He goes on, he says, I'm going to give half my riches to the poor. And he said, but now watch this. The stuff that I used to do, I ain't going to do no more. Anyone that I've taken anything from by false accusations, I'm going to restore it. But I'm not going to give them what I took. I'm going to give them back fourfold. See, only God can change a man's heart so much so that not only is he willing to restore, but he says, I'm going to go exceeding and abundantly up. I'm going above what I even took. Because Jesus had got a hold of his heart. And when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, you have a repentant heart. A sorry heart. A heart that turns from doing wrong. See, I want to caution someone today that you've been, you've been putting up the show. You've been saying all the right things and you've been coming and doing and you've even been telling people, hey, I got this relationship with Jesus. And yet your heart has not changed about wrong. Because here we see this man having had an encounter with Jesus. He had a repentant heart. And he wanted to turn. Now, I understand some things are hard to turn from, but you got to have a desire to turn. Amen? You don't get on the road to a place until you get on the road to that place. You get that? You don't. Get on a road to a place until you get on a road to that place. If where you need to go is down 75, you go out and get on 75. And you're heading. Now, you may not be going as fast as others because, you know, some of us don't drive as fast. Some of us, if we get out there, we're just nice, just, just glad to be out. But the key, I've got to get on the road. I've turned from the wrong, even when it's difficult. How difficult would that be to give up fourfold? He potentially would go from being rich to being poor. Think about this. He's going to add three more portions on what he took. That says that he, he's given back more than he's taken. But he changed his heart. Mark chapter 4, 1, verse 14 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying that this time, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Do you see how repentance comes before salvation? 
John came preaching repentance. Jesus came preaching salvation. And then Jesus brings the two together because as John decreases and he increases, he now says, repent first and believe. Recognize that you're on the wrong road and turn and you're going to need some help turning, but you got to at least be in the turn. Repent and believe the gospel. Repentance, believe. So we see why Jesus said today salvation came up in here. Because when Zacchaeus repented, Jesus, okay, you got it now. The fourth observation that we can see that can result from an encounter with Jesus, it will change your life. Look at verse number nine. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. See, salvation has come. Here's a man that seemed to be non-redeemable. Because when you think about it, we don't know how the rich young ruler got his riches, but we know how Zacchaeus got his by stealing and robbing and cheating. But watch now. He got it by stealing and robbing. So when we look at that, we say, when Jesus said about the rich young ruler that how hard it is for a rich man to be saved, that it's as easy as a camel going through a, the eye of a needle, because of how he got rich, it would seem to be even harder for Zacchaeus. And yet, when he came in contact with God's love through Jesus, Jesus says, this rich man is going to be saved today. His life is changed. See, until, until Zacchaeus met Jesus, he was actually not living up to his, his name. His name actually means innocent, pure, or righteous and he was all but that but now that he met Jesus he can finally be the Zacchaeus that his parents had in mind when they gave him the name what a wonderful change because when I say that God changed his life when he encountered Jesus here's what historians tell us That, he, that this same Zacchaeus later on became the bishop of Caesarea. A man that was an outcast and, and would have been in many's mind, many minds, unredeemable. God uses him to become a great early leader in the church. What a wonderful change that God can change our name from what we used to be to sons and daughters. That leads me to my last and final point for the day. Jesus is still making appointments today. 
you still making appointments today because let's slide down to verse number 10. Here's what he said in verse 10. He says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.